Welcome to the Happiness Podcast. I'm Dr. Robert Puff. I've been professionally helping people to improve their lives and help them to be happy for over 25 years now. I see people in private practice. I give workshops and retreats. I work with corporations. I write books. I do podcasts. I work with the media. There's many, many ways that I reach out to people. But with the thousands and thousands of people that I've come in contact with over the years, there's a very common theme that I see in people that keeps them from being happy. The main reason isn't because of lack of resources or because people don't love us enough or because we didn't make it in life. The main reason that I see that precludes people from being happy right now is self-judgment and judgment of others. That's self-judgment and judgment of others. In other words, we are really, really hard on ourselves and to a lesser extent, those around us. When we mess up, we have an incredible tendency just to berate ourselves, beat ourselves up, talk horrible things about ourselves. I mean, it can be awful. The more we hate ourselves, we often don't share this with people. We keep walls up, making sure that they won't get in because we don't want other people to hurt us more than we're hurting ourselves. It already hurts too much. So, people that have done a lot of damage have caused a lot of havoc in life truly despise themselves. Over the years, I've had the opportunity of talking with people that have done what our culture would consider very heinous crimes. And often we think they just get away with it, they don't care. But the exact opposite is true. They hate themselves. And it's very, very sad. So in this episode, I want to explore who's at fault? Who's the one to blame when we mess up? Mind you, ours may not be that big, but it can still matter to us. And what matters is how we treat ourselves and how we treat others. If we're harsh towards ourselves and we're harsh towards each other, we are not going to have happy lives. So whose fault is it when we mess up or others mess up? Who's to blame? And similarly, when we succeed, when we do wonderful in life, who gets the credit for that? Who's the one that can say, yay, 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 I did it? Who's the one? Who gets credit for succeeding in life? Because failure and success are all about volition. Who's responsible? When I succeed, did I do it? When I fail, did I do it? Let's look at that together today. Responsibility can really be broken down into two parts. The first part is genetics, DNA. We don't choose our DNA. We don't choose our genetics. They're given to us at birth. We had absolutely no choice on them. If we're blue eyes, we're probably going to die with blue eyes. If we have blonde hair, unless we color it, it's going to stay blonde. Whatever we're born with genetically, that's what we're given. Now, how much genetics influence who we are is debatable. But most scientists agree that it's between, say, 25 and 50%, as low as 10 and as high as 100%. For example, our sexes, unless we do something drastic, tend to stay the same throughout our lives. But whether we like chocolate more, whether we like or Shakespearean plays, may be far less influenced by our genetics. This part of us, a large part of who we are, is influenced by our conditioning. But now let's explore conditioning. We don't choose our parents. 
We don't choose our environment that we grow up in. It seems like as we get older, we start making choices. But these choices are immensely, perhaps totally, conditioned by our genetics and our earlier conditioning. Let me use an example to illustrate this point. If you ever get a chance to talk to your medical doctor, sometimes ask him or her about why they're a medical doctor. What you probably will find is, as I have, in almost all cases, medical doctors end up going into medicine because growing up they knew someone who was ill, who was sick, that they cared for, and now they had a passion to be a medical doctor. Of course, they needed the genetic predisposition to do well in school, at least to some extent, but mostly it's based upon their environment. And it could be things like their parents really wanted them to succeed in life, and they probably really do have a passion for caring for people and helping people be well and healthy because of something that happened to them when they were younger. Now, what I call the halls of academia around the world that's philosophers around the world, have really debated how much free will there is. And to be honest, they're really settling towards there isn't any. We pretty much are conditioned beings, that the reason we are the way we are is because of our conditioning. There's still debate out there, of course, but brilliant, and I mean brilliant, scientists, philosophers around the world are settling on the fact of we are just products of our environment. And mind you, you may disagree with this. And mind you, we could go on and on and on about this in agnosium because it's a very complex topic. But today, for our issue of who's at fault, who's to blame, and who gets credit when we succeed in life, hang in there and let's explore this issue. Because if in regards to, all right, I did something wrong, I did something bad. How come? Why did I do that? Mostly, unless we're a psychopath, and there really aren't that many of them out there, and most of them end up in prison. So let's just suspend psychopaths for a minute and get back to you and I, who do care about it when we mess up and hurt people. But why do we do things that we don't want to do? Whose fault is it? And really, it's our conditioning's fault, plus our genetics, but it's really our conditioning. That's the one thing that we can really say, yep, that's why I weigh an extra 40 pounds. Everyone in my family was 40 pounds overweight, and I'm 40 pounds overweight too. On and on it can go. We are very much products of our conditioning, and it shapes us. Let's use the example of being overweight. I grew up in Iowa, as many of you know, and in Iowa, there's a tendency because of poor eating habits for people as they get older to get heavy, often quite heavy. And most people don't tend to exercise. I remember growing up and I'd be running out in the country and every time I ran, cars would come by and say, hey, do you need a lift? Because they couldn't understand why I would be out running in the country. People just don't much exercise in Iowa. Mind you, they work hard. They work very hard, but they don't really exercise much. These are just habits. In other cultures, for example, where you come from, people may be a lot more relaxed about achievement and they'd rather just enjoy family and hang out and have a good time. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But because of that, the culture that you live in, if you come from that culture, it may be poorer. It may not be as successful monetarily. Now let's take a look at when we mess up. 
when we do something wrong. Why do we do it? In every case, if you take the time, you can go back and figure out why we do things. There's always a reason. It's just taking the time to look at what in my conditioning caused me to do this. If I cheated on my wife, did my father cheat on my mother? Or did I grow up in a culture where every man cheated on his wife? If that's so, it may be harder for you to be faithful to your spouse. The conditioning, and I repeat, the conditioning shapes us. In the same way, when we succeed in life, it's because of the conditioning. If we felt a lot of pressure to succeed in life, if our father put a lot of pressure on us to do well in life, most likely we did. We did exceptionally well because of that pressure put on us. Whatever conditioning we're being exposed to throughout our lives is going to shape us. There's really no way of getting around that. So here's the good news. Really both ways. Whether we succeed or whether we fail, it's really not our fault. It's the conditioning's fault. It's a conditioning success. So we don't have to worry about what people think about us. We don't have to worry about really anything. What we need to do if we want to change is simply change the conditioning. If we like the way we behave, let's say we eat really healthy, we wouldn't want to change that. But if we eat poorly, then we're going to want to change that. And let's use the example of cheating. If we grew up in an environment where men cheated, then we need to first realize and study that, oh, cheating really isn't a good thing to do in a relationship. And start hanging out with people that don't cheat, that consider fidelity a very healthy thing to be part of. In future episodes, I'll explore more how to create change, but it's actually pretty basic. It's just change the conditioning. If we're conditioned to do one thing, we can be conditioned to do something else. It takes work, but it's possible, and we'll explore that more in future episodes. For now, though, even if you give not 100% to conditioning, but 98%, 97%, you've got to give a pretty high percentage to it plus the genetics, what happens is we soften. We soften towards ourselves and we soften towards others and we get less jealous of other people and we get less prideful of ourselves because we realize that our environment shapes us. It creates us to be the way we are. And one wonderful thing happens. Remember how I started off this podcast saying that we are so hard on ourselves and I believe this is the number one reason we struggle with happiness and being happy? Well, if we really get that it's the conditioning's fault for the way we are, we then aren't so hard on ourselves or on others. We soften, and that softening makes us not beat ourselves up. Because when we beat ourselves up, we really tend to keep doing the same things that we hate doing. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I say, I'm fat, guess what? I'm going to be fat. But if I say my conditioning caused this, I just need to change the conditioning, then I'll eat better. Guess what? We start eating better. So this podcast is about softening towards ourselves and softening towards others. It really doesn't help us to be critical, so harsh on ourselves or harsh on others. If we want to blame anyone, let's blame the conditioning and then we can change it and get better. So thank you for joining me for this week's happiness podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the world of happiness, please go to www.happinesspodcast.org. That's happinesspodcast.org. 
Or if you'd like to contact me directly, my email address is drpuff at cox.net. Until next time, accept what is, love what is. Do you ever wonder why some companies do so well, grow, and just seem to keep coming up with great ideas and keep expanding? While other companies are permeated with negativity, lawsuits, employee turnover, and just overall unhappiness in the workplace. Whichever corporate camp you find yourself in, or somewhere in between, the key to any company's ongoing success is to invest in and help their employees perform at their peak performance. There are very clear and specific things that people can do to perform well at work and in life in general. This is the focus of my podcast, and it's also the focus of my work. Being at the cutting edge of any market is sustained through investment, investment in training employees how to perform well. But sustained growth and productivity requires specific psychological tools in order to continue to perform at peak levels. This is where I can help. I've been studying peak performance for over 30 years now, helping people all over the world. And there are very specific things that have to be maintained in order to sustain this level of performance. When companies invest in their employees, their employees are invested in them. Unfortunately, it's quite common for companies to be doing exceptionally well in the marketplace, but for unknown reasons, key employees make poor choices, leave the company, or start struggling and coping with stress-related illnesses. Companies that do well know their business really well, but human behavior works in mysterious ways unless you've been trained to understand the causes and cures of underperformance. If you're a forward-thinking company, perhaps it's time to think about giving your employees skills that may really help them perform well at work and throughout their lives. If you work for or manage a company, and you're ready to learn the skills in order to survive and thrive in any market, in any conditions, or in life in general. I'd love to help. These are the skills I've learned. These are the ones I'd love to bring to your company. True lasting success has to be seen from a broader perspective, not just monetary. And if you're ready to bring about these changes, that's where I can help. To learn more, go to www.successbeyondyourimagination.com. That's successbeyondyourimagination.com. And whether we're at the doorstep of retirement or have many years to go, may we always be growing and be developing our skills not only as successful employees, but as successful human beings. Mm -hmm.